This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio. Of course, we do the Town Hall Academy, we do Aftermarket Weekly, and we're the uh, expert, if you will, in business acumen because of the great topics we cover and the trends that we cover, and great people like Vic Tarasik coming on the show to talk about an incredible topic, fraud. Wow, Vic, thank you for raising your hand when we were in a group and this is who wants to talk about fraud and you didn't hesitate. Your hand went up. And when people's hands go up that quickly, you know what that means? Been there, done that. I have been there. It's not been fun. Got the t-shirt. Didn't like the ride. Hey, plan to be at Apex 2023, October 31st through November 2nd. Apex will build upon the incredible success of Joe's Garage, a full 10-bay working environment. If you earn your living in the auto service aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Hey, let's face it, your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. And Napa Tracks will move your shop into the SMS fast lane with on-site training, six days a week support, and local representation. Find Napa Tracks on the web at napatracs.com. We have some great lessons, some great case studies, if you will, not only from Vic's personal when he owned a shop, but some of your clients that have just gotten clobbered. We've got a great chart we're going to show you later on what kind of volume you need to recover any loss of fraud based on the net profit that you make. And I think you should all prepare and sit down when you see that. It's not hard to calculate, but I think when you see it in a chart form, it's gasting, if you will. Vic says, listen, Ronald Reagan pretty much summed it up. What do you say? Trust, but verify. Very simple. Trust, but verify. It's really good to be trusting. And what I love about shop owners, and I was one of them, we have an innate sense to want to trust everybody, especially our family, our employees. But if we don't have something in place to verify, well, when the cat's away, you know, just fill in the rest. And there's so many different ways that people, I think, stay up at night and try to figure it out. There's a factor of trust that I've always wanted to give to my people. And when I worked for other people, to have them trust me. If I wasn't handling money, then there was this certain bit of openness that happens when you're not touching money, you're not doing deposits, you're not calculating the day and numbers, you know, and it goes back to parts credits, core credits. I mean, there's so many other ways, even if it's not cash, that it can happen. And I know you're going to cover that. So in your first four years of shop ownership, what happened? I hired people and I was... I'll call it a babe in the woods. You know, I was that typical Buffalonian. You know, we're, in Buffalo, we trusted everybody because, you know, and we're going to treat people the way we want to be treated. And I wanted people to trust me. So what did I do? I extended them trust. I didn't have anything in place. And next thing you know, a few dollars missing here, a few dollars missing here. There are $30,000 later, the manager that I put in place skimmed a bunch of money off. On top of that, he tried to scam my people off and start his own shop. Thankfully, I had somebody loyal in the, in the hen house who alerted me, or I could have been in some serious trouble because he, he was trying to recruit everybody. It's amazing what, you know, when you don't have something in place because, again, you want to trust them, and not everybody's trustworthy. The systems will keep, keep them in line. The curbs will keep us between, you know, out of the ditch. It hurts, Vic. Gosh, yeah. I look back on that. That was my first four years. That was 25 years ago, and I remember like you and I talking today. I'll be blunt. It sucked. I don't believe there's anyone who's listening that hasn't had some form or fashion of this happen to them. And if not, you know a loved one, a very close friend that it's happened to. 
you know, empathy is one thing by saying, I, I feel your pain because I've been there before. Sympathy is one nice thing if you've never had it done to you. And the reason we do podcasts that we bring up this kind of stuff is to condition you, to try to callous you, to listen to this stuff and never say the question, it won't happen to me. Because the minute I think you let your guard down and your people notice or see it, then you become vulnerable. Yeah, it's amazing. It might be a quart of oil. It might be five quarts. It might be, well, I'll take 10 bucks out of the till and I'll put it back tomorrow. Well, then tomorrow comes and need another 10. And the boss isn't watching. I'm going to pay it back eventually. And one of the, the studies we'll talk about up ahead, that's exactly what happened. They took a little bit here, a little bit there. The boss didn't notice. Six figures later. So let me share this. Just give me a minute or two. Uh, the family business, Italian growing up. And it's so interesting is that one of the, the matriarchs of the family was uh, Grandpa John, Grandma Rose Capriato. And for years, Grandma Rose was the chief head cook, cashier, and bottle washer. And growing up in the business, being very, very young, teens and then early 20s, I couldn't figure out why she wanted to handle the cash and do the strike and the checkout at night and make the deposit. And he says, you know, there's other people that can do that. Grandma, you don't have to be here all the time <laughs> until it starts happening to you. And, says, and then one day he says, where's my grandma? <laughs> And here's why. Grew up in the Depression, didn't have any money, coveted every nickel or dime or penny that you could earn back then. And so it didn't matter how inflation or how big the dollars got and how big the business got, those practices of managing cash, managing systems, managing bank deposits, verifying and double-checking that what you said went in the bank did go in the bank and all that stuff. And so many of us came out of from being a great technician to being a business owner, quote, quote, business owner. We had no idea. No one ever taught us what's the system like. How do we double check and verify anything? We'll just take this stuff to the bank. It's cash. I don't know if it's the right number. I don't know if there's enough in the envelope. I don't know if it was shorted. You just dump it in, dump it in, dump it in. Sooner or later, Vic, over all the years of mismanagement, bam. It's like getting whacked out of the two by four. Yeah. I think I'm making money, but there's no cash. And that can be the, the largest part of the problem is I've simply put it this way. Are you certain what's coming in your door financially is going in your bank? It's not rocket science looking, but you look at the amount of, of things or responsibilities that a shop owner has every day. Owning the cash is not on the top of their list. I've got money in the bank. I'm flush. It's busy. But the thing is, is you want to make certain every dime and every penny get in the, in the bank. And, you know, honestly, I think there's one really interesting belief set in the shop that, and you've, you've heard this as a, as a part store owner. Oh, you got to be rich. You're a business owner. So what do we do? We relax because we want our employees to accept us. We're not rich. They don't see the books. They don't see the stresses. They don't see what keeps us up at night. And because we relax, because we want to be accepted, we don't count the dollars. I've heard, I've walked into shops and I hear technicians saying, well, that owner, all he cares about is counting the money. Honestly, by him counting the money, what he's doing is he's taking care of the people in the shop because as he's counting the money, he's ensuring that he can keep his shop doors open. He can put health care on the table. He can give them benefits. So as a shop owner, shop owners need to take that degree of responsibility and realize if I don't mind the store and I don't keep track of the money, something's going to give somewhere. Where is it going to be? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be the, the employee? Am I going to lose X, Y, or Z? You don't know. You know, I look at the uh, response to someone saying, all you do is care about counting the money. The answer is, thank God I do. That's the response. Well, what do you mean, boss? You want to get paid? Vendors want to get paid. The heat, the light people want to get paid. 
parts bill has to get paid. So thank God I am counting and verifying and triple verifying. And well, don't you trust me? I trust you. But my job is to be sure that the job you do gets done the way we outlined it, that our systems are right and in place. And in fact, I count on you. If you see any holes in our system, please let me know. That tells everyone you are looking. You are paying attention to everything. In fact, I think the, one of the greatest things is to come out and say, hey, uh, I, uh, I just want to show you how I do it. I check the bank against the deposit slip. I just put of the stuff that I do in the back office. I just want to show you. It's not like I want to brag how much I'm working. It's, I just want to let you know <laughs> that, you know, the work that I take home at night, it's important. Yeah, it is important. Well, and you nailed it, keeping the light bills on. And you've experienced it, shop owners who can't pay their bills. That's one thing that's thorn in my side because I talk to a lot of parts companies. and They're like, man, I really wish our owners could take, you know, pay their bill. I'm having to extend credit. Well, to me, it's pretty simple. You buy a part, the customer pays you for it. However many widgets you buy that week, you got paid for it. You're simply a steward of that money to go back to the vendor who sold you the components. It's not that difficult. But if you're missing it on another end, that's one of the, one of the areas that something got, has got to give. And well, man, my parts vendor is going to extend me credit three, six months later. You still owe 10 grand. So let's talk about other profit leaks. I know that you had, again, not just in your first four years, but you had some other stuff happening to you. Let's learn from that. When one of my employees, who was my service advisor, he wrote an invoice for a customer, gave that invoice to the customer unbeknownst to me, but zeroed the balance out and zeroed the invoice out in my system. So my end-of-day report showed a car came through, but there was no dollars collected because there were no sales. And this was only turned up after this person left. I kept digging to uncover things. Well, it turns out that invoice was $2,500 and it was to an extended warranty company. His friend got $2,500 worth of free work. They turned the $2,500 invoice into the warranty company. And in turn, they split the dough. After finding it, I did reach out to the owner of the vehicle. They did make it right, but it was painful because I wasn't minding the store. Can you imagine? Okay, here I am ordering parts for this warranty job. And I call in the repair order number as the PO number to my vendor. And we just recently did an episode with A.J. Neely and Joe Hansen called the Google Nerds. Fascinating stuff in this. But scanning every invoice and making sure the system can match so you can go into Google search into Google Docs. I'm not sure exactly how sure. And they can type in that PO number and every document that's connected to it would come up. Now, can you imagine calling up that invoice from the vendor to see what in invoice it went on and you call up and there's $800 worth of parts here, but the invoice says zero. I mean, bing, red flag, red, red, red flag. And so we have to get smarter in managing our systems and looking at ourselves for double checking. In fact, Vic, networking, coaching, working with your CPA, all of these things need to congeal together so that you can ferret out all of these issues and don't think you're immune to them. No one is immune to this. No one is immune to it at all. It's, you know, you saw my talking points, you know, locks on doors, keep honest people honest. And what you do is if you don't, don't mind the store, people who, who may not take a few, few shekels here or there might because they're in need. Kind of ties on to what you asked me about. So, you know, what are the uh, other things? So you notice in my talking points, I mentioned money was really drying up about 
Yeah, it was drying up. It didn't make any sense. I had hired somebody. So stop for a moment, Vic. I mean, it's huge. Money was drying up. You're listening. Let that resonate with you. I'm talking to you, the listener. I'm talking to you, the shop owner. I'm talking to you, the person who thinks that they're going to become a shop owner someday. And they want to become, they have a dream of doing this. Yeah, I know you want to fix cars, take care of customers, but there's so much more to it. And the fact that money dries up, I bet you, Vic, everybody that we know, every shop owner that we know, if we got a room of 800 shop owners, I'll bet you 90% of those hands would go up from their early days. Yeah. Money dried up. And you know, we were busy. We were real busy and just didn't make sense. And what was funny was he was my store manager. He was a friend of mine. I was the best man in his wedding. Yeah. And we were close and we went to church together. So it's, you know, this is another thing too. Just because the person goes, goes to church doesn't make them honest. It doesn't matter. People are people. And I went to this person and I go, Hey, uh, I noticed you've got the, uh, this started with the credit cards slip. He handed me the credit card slip. So, Hey, this needs to be paid. Yeah, I delegated him responsibilities that I didn't want to deal with, which was paying the credit card bill. He had his own company credit card, but he handed me just the coupon and no detail. Hey, you got the detail on this? He goes, oh no, they didn't, they didn't send it with it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, bing, red flag. So I spent the next couple hours on the, the phone with Chase, getting card, getting statements, digging. This is what I uncovered. A lot of things, but the things that stood out, I paid for his wedding cake. We paid for his engagement ring. We paid for him to go to Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert. We paid for a lot of things simply because I took my hand off the tiller and what did not have something in place. And that was like, there was a lot of money. And the biggest thing I'll put on here is he made restitution. He was going to jail. It was, I was so burned on this. I, I went to my attorney and I'm like, what do I do? And he goes, this guy may beat, beat the rap, but he won't beat the ride. He goes, it's up to you. I go, so, okay. Apex 2023 will be here sooner than you realize. So make a commitment plan ahead and register now at aapexshow.com. This year, you'll find a strong offering of management, technical, and service advisor training to include J2534 module programming, deciphering gas turbo drivability, ADAS calibration, and strategies for dealing with difficult customers among another 30 classes. Bring your thirst for knowledge, determination to network, and curiosity to Las Vegas, October 31st through November 2nd, 2023. Head to aapexshow.com and register now and sign up for the classes that you want. And a highlight at Apex is meeting top industry execs ready to talk with you about your business needs, parts programs, and tools. So if you're in your living in the automotive aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Spend time at Joe's Garage and see tools and equipment in action. Register now, aapexshow.com, 31st of October through November 2nd, 2023. Apex, now more than ever. Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. NapaTrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. We provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. NapaTrax offers the industry's best post-sale support, hands down, and we train your people on-site. Yep, on-site. And we offer remote refresher training 10 times a week, and customer support is open six days a week. Give us a call, visit the website, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napa Trax is always customized and tailored for you, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. 
Visit us on the web at NapaTracks, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. I got to ask you a question. In, in a case that I had, Vic, I had the numbers in front of me and I had the video in front of me and I actually invited the cops to come in and look at some of the video and show them all the documentation that approved it. And they said, you're talking felony here. So we can give you a letter and you can sit down with this individual so that you can find yourself your restitution plan. And I think it's very important to be serious that the rest of the company knows that jail time, police, whatever it is that you needed to do was an option. It needs to be on the table. It does. It does. And, you know, I, one thing I didn't put my talking points, in, it's not got nothing to do with the automotive field. But, you know, my wife worked, used to work for a large oil company. And this is what's fascinating. She had a, a P-card. So Exxon. So Exxon. Exxon has a no tolerance policy. You make a mistake. You charge something to yourself. There's a very high probability you're going to be terminated. You know, and so what happened was she bought something off of Amazon. She had, had her profile in for home and for work. Well, she actually clicked the wrong credit card. She was aghast when that order got placed and she didn't realize it until when it came in. It was not on our statement. She went in the day she found out and it was only like 15 bucks. Wasn't much. And when she went to her boss, they're like, okay, we got to call in HR. HR sat down and counseled her. And they're like, then they asked her, what system are you going to put in place to ensure this doesn't happen again? Now, she was an executive level assistant to the president at 15 bucks on the edge of losing your job. And she was like, she knew their policy. Do shop owners, have they conveyed that policy? Like you said, is jail, is there jail time? Is there, you know, is it termination? I think you bring up an incredible point that you need to sit down with your HR people, even maybe your attorney and put in place that document that every employee today and every future employee signs. Oh, and by the way, I heard a great, I think it was Murray who was on, we were talking about onboarding and he talked about the fact that you cannot allow an individual who comes to work for you at eight in the morning to sign the papers at 12 that afternoon. They have to, before they go out and meet anybody, go in the bays in the shop, get orientated, they have to sign every document. And Murray says, trust me, I know it's the right thing to do because I've gotten burned before only because whatever little tiny flaw in the law or because there's that one percent of the people that always want to get you but i think to your point that we can't stress enough there needs to be a restitution or stealing or theft or fraud clause in your hiring package and you have to have the courage to put that plan in place if it happens because if it happens and you let that slide everyone's going to know you're going to have no teeth you're going to be all bark no bite you're honestly there goes your integrity if you say you're going to do it do it and no matter the cost, no matter the pressure, if, if trust gets violated, it's impossible and almost, it's like an eggshell. You break an eggshell, it's impossible to put it back together. Trust is easily lost and more difficult to be re-earned. In the workplace, if you have the policy in place, ensure that if you have it in place, you act on it. Don't let it slide. It might be painful, but it'll be worth it. So just like locking doors, you've got to have systems that have lots of integrity. I can't think enough about repair order reviews and audits. In my mind, in your intuition and your common sense as you're looking through things and say, wow, that was a wow, that would have made us like a, a $12,000 day, but I remember the numbers and I saw that and it wasn't where all of this stuff floats in and you know, you could assign that no doubt to someone 
But I think as an owner, the person responsible, I mean, it's your livelihood, it's your income, it's your sweat equity that you're always looking to preserve and to earn from everything that you've got invested. You've got to stay diligent in this. Oh, repair audits are, they're the kind of the tipping point, they're not tipping point, tip of the iceberg. Because it's kind of a scorecard. And you're right. You see a part on there and it's, you know, an ABS module is supposed to be 600 bucks. And it turns out it's 100. What's wrong with that? What's wrong here? And I guarantee you owners who are listening right now who have in their gut this little scratchiness that something's going on in their shop. If they looked, they would find something that they that didn't pass a smell test and they would find a big hole in their bucket. And I, you know, honestly, Carmen, I'm not saying distrust to a massive degree. You know, one, 1%, 2% distrust, just enough. Put a system in place, put a lock in place, put a repair audit in place. My gosh, it's your business. No one's going to mind a store like you. Charlie Marcotte, American Pride out in um, Virginia, he has this thing called the smell test that you just brought up. And I was talking to his son, Andrew, who's been on the show. And uh, he says, yeah, my dad, he, he has this thing called the smell test when he goes into a store. He's, he calls it the smell test. He'll know if the store is doing good or it's not. It's amazing to think that your intuition would be that strong, Vic, that you're always, you're not looking to find fault, but you're looking to smell out things that aren't right. And it doesn't mean that there's fraud there. It just could mean that one of the systems that we have in play isn't working correctly, that there's a weakness, there's a hole in it. And somebody not from a malicious perspective did something, but that they failed to do this that caused that to happen, which could show that there's something wrong with our system. Exactly. Well, you know, and you mentioned intuition. I like to look at it this way. Our subconscious picks up so much more than our conscious mind. So as we're looking things over, it's like we our brain's not processing it into a thought, but our brains are processing it. And that's where that something's not right here. And that that falls in. And that's intuition. It's that simple. So I think you brought a case study or two with you, didn't you? Mm-hmm, I did. And oh, by the way, before we go on in your talking points, I love that you have a list of things you got to verify every day. Let's go over that. OK. Deposits, end of day reports, end of day reports. They do a couple of things. The pulse stays on the business. You look over what's come and gone. You catch it before it's gone off the tra- the rails. You, and you reconcile it. You know, when I say reconcile, you know, some shop owners go, I don't reconcile my bank account. Basically, you just stack up the money that shows that it come in on the invoice and what did come in. Because when you're verifying credit card receipts, while you might verify the what's shown to have come in, if there was a credit that didn't show up on your, your part era end of day report, somebody got a credit that didn't belong to them. Not that any of us have ever seen somebody swipe a credit card in the early days of just striping. Hey, that happened to us. It's like, I, I came across, what's this $250 credit? Uh, 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 hesitation. It got explained and it got fixed and it got rectified. Again, you know, that verification of that. So, so establishing a cash handling process. Where does the money go at the end of the day? Do you put it in an envelope and stack it up to whenever you're going to get to it? Does it go in a safe? Because but I didn't put it in my talking points. I didn't hesitate. I just forgot about it. We had these cash envelopes disappearing. We just put, you know, the envelope. You know, if we had cash, we stick an envelope and we'd stick the end of day reports and we would verify our end of day. But, you know, I'd wait seven, 10 days to make the deposit. You know, again, one of the, I don't have an answer why, but the envelopes began to disappear. And when one day we found a torn envelope behind the file cabinet and we had a young employee 
who was helping himself because he was under pressure because he just got married. When life habits change, sometimes there's pressure that gets put on people. When I, I approached him, he goes, I just didn't want to let him, have, you know, I didn't want to let my father-in-law down. He lost his job. Guess what he did? He let his father-in-law down. When you have a bunch of envelopes that no one quite knows what to do with them, well, we're waiting for Vic to come by. He won't miss one. Look, you got to go through this stuff. You got to get hardened and you got to learn how to manage cash credit. I don't even want to go into the gap between the profit and loss statement says my gross profit margin was this and why? Because my SMS system says it was this and the profit and loss statement shows the flow of the numbers, the payables, the credits from the vendors. So you could have $5,000 of credits sitting in the back corner for credit to your account. But if it didn't get into the system and into the profit and loss statement, you have a gap in gross margin. And the, the fraud that can happen with core credits, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's another angle. But I think what we're talking about in, in this fraud case is a lot, a lot to do with cash, the whole warranty issue and people buying stuff and billing it to the company. How many stories do we hear where the technician goes to the parts store and buys parts for a car they're working on at night and it gets billed to you. And there's no RO number that matches. Since it's all real and it all happens, it could be one of the biggest, most important things that you could do as a coach with a new client is to say, besides attempting to get the mentality of the owner in the right space moving forward, Probably a review of cash management and fraud systems, Vic, could help them find all the money in the world that they need to grow a better business and pay for their coaching. Oh, agreed. That's one of the first things we go over is what's your cash handling pr procedure? And when we're talking to them, when we do it in Zoom, you kind of get this, you know, the head turn, kind of like how <laughs> looking at a new gate, learning like, what do you mean? Cash handling? No one ever showed me how. Oh, wait a minute. I, I got this wild thought, Vic. Like the Catholic confession, right? He's looking at you as if you're the priest and there's no curtain between you. So you really want me to say confession to you, Vic? Hmm. Yeah, that's why they hire us is to be the priest, to be in the confessional, to hold their confidence. Because honestly, we want the best for them. And it doesn't matter what coach, as long as they care about the individual. And, and I've talked to Murray and Bill, Bill Haas, and we've talked about this. And they, we're all like, yeah, we all nod our heads because we've seen it with our clients. And, and so we talk about cash handling. But, you know, the one thing that we don't see besides cash handling is POs on work orders, uh, yeah, POs and in the, in the parts purchases. And that's so simple. And in fact, when we instituted that years ago with our vendor, I conveyed to my sales manager, I said, every single part purchased must have a PO. If it doesn't, I will not pay for it, period. So ensure that your entire sales team understands that Vicks Precision Automotive requires this. And they implemented it. They would ask for the PO. It was not rocket science. You're right. Many suppliers, I'm going to guess today that 98, 99% of all suppliers has a switch in their system that says that Vicks Auto repair requires a PO. I mean, if you're in e-commerce, it won't let you skip that field. If you're on the phone with them, they can't even print the ticket. If they didn't get it from you, they got to call you back and says, hey, what's your PO number? So I think the parts suppliers realized that that's a huge value that they can bring to you. And if you're a shop owner and you're not doing that, 
those switches exist from your suppliers and it's the best discipline in the world so you can tie out every purchase to a customer invoice. Yeah, it's something so simple to enact. You have a team meeting with your advisors, you visit with your parts rep, you ensure that when the invoice comes in, it's handled. You know, expect the first couple invoices to be a little rocky, but it's very easy to implement. And there's another another ability to plug the hole in your bucket. I love one of the examples you sent in about returning unopened rolls of stamps. I know that's small. I get that. I mean, maybe back in the day, but, you know, stamps are getting expensive, but still in all, if you give somebody that $20 in, they say, oh, wow, this was interesting. Tell us that story. Well, you know, the, the young man that was eventually caught with the cash, he was the one with the stamps. He figured ways around it. And this all occurred around the same time. We had three rolls of stamps. And I think it was a hundred bucks worth of stamps. A hundred dollars isn't chump change. Through the digging and through the holding accountable process, it's like, what happened to the stamps? He's like, it had dropped. He goes, I took him to the post office to get my cash, the cash back. It's like, and you know, what's funny is I put this kid through school. That's the hard part. You know, when you look to see as a shop owner, how much we love our people and how much we care. And you realize this guy lost his job. And honestly, he lost his job because I didn't put systems in place to ensure that he wasn't tempted. And that's what stinks is, as an owner, you realize I could have done a better job. I could have helped this person stay honest at my shop. I can't help them outside the shop, but inside my shop, they can, and they can keep their job. Another very interesting story is about the towing invoice. (laughs) Oh, gosh, yeah. That was an interesting one. So here it is, it's New Year's Eve, and I actually handled this, my staff go for the day, and and my brother-in-law and I came into work, and we had a bunch of stuff we did. It was was quite, it was an enjoyable day because the staff had off, and I was up front, and we were up, and I was in back, but I came up front, and Customer came in and he goes, hey, Vic, I need you to do something for me. I'm like, yeah, sure. Would, uh, hey, could you generate a towing invoice for me? I'm like, sure. What was your repair order number? Oh, you didn't tow it in? I go, well, what do you mean I didn't tow it in? Well, he goes, on my towing insurance, I'm entitled to so many tows a year. And here it is New Year's Eve. And I want to make certain that I'm able to get my full benefit out of my insurance company. And I'm like, okay, let's stop for a second. You've asked me to generate an invoice for something you didn't have done. He goes, yeah. He goes, is that okay? And I go, I stopped and I said, well, I'll be honest, I can't do it. I said, and I won't do it because we didn't do it. He kind of pushed back and I'm like, look, I go, if I will lie for you, what will prevent me from lying to you? And he kind of stopped. He goes, oh, good point. Kind of tucked his tail between his legs and happy new year. Out the door he went. I love that quote. Lie to you, lie for you. Yeah, you, you would want me to lie about a repair. Wow. Powerful. All for what, 70 bucks? You know, that was it was like 2011. It was that whopping $70. But, you know, people want what they're entitled to. You know, and, and this is where I want shop owners to hear is if a shop owner, if you're asked by a customer to do something that's not, in te- doesn't have integrity in it, don't do it. If he had asked me to do that and I had written the invoice knowing that he was going to turn into his insurance company, I'd have been participating in insurance fraud. Sure enough, you were. Absolutely. So your accountant, your bookkeeper, your store manager, from the store manager and bookkeeper's perspective, they should never be overlapping responsibilities to cash management, to systems. They have to be separate. They absolutely, they must be. You know, the person doing the bookkeeping shouldn't be the one writing the checks. They should be the one doing the books. Or signing them for that matter. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. They can generate it, but there must be a check and balance. Like if it requires two signatures, yours and someone else's, but that person should not have sole responsibility of the money that, of tracking the money that comes in and spending the money as it goes out, because that's another temptation. That's actually part of one of the reasons of of the case study that 
that we mentioned of the six figures. This person was responsible for the front counter. They were responsible for writing the checks. They were responsible for doing the bookkeeping. And that cost a tremendous amount of money. And, you know, it's funny talking to this client. It wasn't about the money. It was about the relationship. There's this anger inside because they're like, the relationship will never be the same. And so I realized I'm picturing off the original thing you asked is, you know, separate the church and state. You keep the money that comes in. It's got to be verified. It comes in. You know, bookkeeping's got to be done. And have your accountant oversee it too. Not oversee it on the daily, but if your accountant smells something off, they need to say something. And you need to be willing to listen because you have hired a professional to help you manage your business, to be that trusted advisor. If they say something to you, you need to listen. It's like this client was a relatively new client and I got their financials and I started looking at, at the financials. I'm like, something's not right here. It was interesting. The relationship wasn't strong enough yet for me to be able to go, there's a hefty problem here because this person that was involved with this was very close to them. So it was a balancing act. I kept had to keep nudging. And finally, you know, months later, we got to the bottom of it. It was painful. I don't like the word months because uh, that just continues to dig a deeper hole. No, I, I don't either. But think of it this way. I had a choice as a coach to go, I can get to the bottom of this, but I have to lead him. He never asked me, is there something wrong? As part of our process is looking at the income, looking at the expense side of it, pulling the, the books in. I was evaluating, but the it never was never invited to me say, hey, do you see something off? I kept, you know, <laughs> trying to crack the door and inviting the question to finally it was like, okay, we got an issue here we need to talk about. Let's jump into that chart that you brought with you that I think is oh so powerful. And I'm going to call it up here. And if you're, so if you're listening through audio, we'll attempt to walk through this verbally very well for you. And if you're looking on a YouTube, you can see this and weep. If you lose a thousand dollars and we know in a shop, it's easy to lose a thousand bucks, whether it is a lost core, perhaps something got went wrong in the shop, perhaps an accident, you name it. A thousand bucks is easy to hit and your shop is at 10% net operating margin. It's going to require you to sell $10,000 worth of work to cover that one loss. Now we'll stay in the left column for a second. If there's a loss of, of six figures and which three of our clients have experienced that, Six-figure loss. Think about, you know, just think about that for a sec. If they lost a hundred grand, they have got to sell one million dollars at 10% net operating margin simply to break even on that loss. It's astounding. You can, and you can take this the other way, you know, even lower. How much do you have to sell if, to, if you have a counter brake clean or antifreeze? And, you know, we deal with that when in some of our training. But this stuff here is when you're dealing with, with income and cash and fraud that can go on a shop, you're not talking small dollars. There's so many surveys out there about where's the profit, what an average net profit would be in the industry. And we keep hearing a little bit about three and 5%. And so you have a 1%, a 3%, a 5%, and a 10% column here. Of course, the more money you make on the bottom line, the less that you need to recover. But who ever wants to recover? Who wants to lose $100,000 at a 10% profit margin, net profit margin, and have to do a million bucks to recover it? Because can you imagine the goal of any business is, I'm going to add a million dollars to my top line. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And many shops are just cracking that million dollar mark. I have to do a million dollars in sales to make up for a hundred thousand dollars because I wasn't doing what I should be doing as a shop owner. I hate to call it like that, but this, this loss column on the left-hand side is totally in our control. We have the ability to ensure that we don't take a loss. We don't have the ability to ensure that on a day-to-day -day basis, we have 
some accident happens in the shop. But when it comes to the cash in and cash out, we can take care of that really quickly just by putting a couple of systems in place. Just losing $5,000 and earning, just say, 3% net operating income. You got to do $167,000 to make that up. That's a chunk of change. And if you're doing 3% net operating margin, you're probably not doing $167,000 in a month. You're probably right. It's going to take you a lot longer than a month, two, three months worth of sales to make that up that $5,000 loss. You got to stage that up. You said, so we, you were going to grow so much per month just to cover the loss, not to add good quality profit to the bottom line, just to cover the loss. So yeah, I, boy, thank you for being so transparent and so honest and bringing all these, this great dialogue. I hope that we hit home with so many of the people that are in this industry that may be experiencing this, have experienced it, and or maybe we can help prevent some big stuff from happening. I appreciate the opportunity to come here and talk about this. It's not a, not a fun topic to talk about. No, it's not, Vic. But thank you for this. Come back anytime. Bring us some other examples on, on fraud. I mean, there's so many other things to talk about. But I thought we really covered this well. I think if you learned anything here in this discussion, and I'm positive you did, I'll please get it on your to-do list. Put it up at the number one position that you've got to do some of the things that Vic chatted with you about today. Just go get it done. Victor Osik, shop owner coach. It's shopownercoach.com. Thank you. And former Buffalonian. I know you're from Texas now. And thank you so much for being here, man. Good to be here. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.